episode 50 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Leday. I'm Brittany Lombas. I am James Cohn. All three of us are here to celebrate our 50th episode. It's a milestone. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we are gathered in James's apartment outside of Bayou St. John in Mid-City, New Orleans. This is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks. We've been going for two full years now. This is our 50th episode. We're highly established. Yes. Very successful. We have more episodes than regular listeners, though. <laughs> I think. Hey, that's a milestone in its Shh. own way. <laughs> I think that people should tell other people about the show. We don't really ask that people, you know, rate and subscribe to us on iTunes the way that people do every episode of every other podcast. But if you could do that for us once in a while, like, go on there and just give us a five-star review. It makes us cry every time with joy. Actually, yeah, we get really excited whenever we see one. The last one was from Mr. Hot Dog Boy in September. Ugh. Nicest review of anything I've ever done in my life. Who is he? <laughs> Who's she? <laughs> uh, and it'd be nice to have another one uh, as we celebrate this uh, important step towards becoming a legitimate thing. We're going to do something different today to celebrate. Uh, usually we do one movie the minute segment and then like sort of a grand conversation that encompasses like five different movies. But instead today, each of us picked a movie the rest of us hadn't seen yet. So we're going to do three individual Movie the Minute segments. But before we get into that, I think we should probably do our regular What Have You Been Watching Lately? So I have two. Okay. I watched um, Moonstruck on Valentine's Day. Great film. Which was great. Cher at like her best. Nick Cage, Mm -hmm. really good too. Such a like heartwarming like and I, I like too that it brought in all these like Italian myths and it just felt like different than a lot of romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. You get both sides of Nick Cage in that movie too. You get like actual like sincere romantic Nick you Cage. You get a little bit of the crazy. Yeah, too. Th- that speech about how Johnny has his hand, where's my hand? Ugh. Johnny gets his girl, where's my girl? That's like, where like his true self comes out. Like yeah. before, he's kind of like. Oh, this is like Nick Cage from It Could Happen to You. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he gets crazy. The Nick Cage your mom likes versus yeah. the Nick Cage you like. <laughs> yeah, and something else I really liked watching it again was like the way it just kind of wraps up very nicely at the mm-hmm. end. You know, she's all worried like, oh, what's he going to think? I'm in love with his brother. And he, he comes back from, you know, dealing with his dead mom and it just kind of all works out. And it's just like a fairy tale. It was really sweet. A sherry tale. A sherry. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Snap out of it. Oh, that's like the, good the best. So that sticks out. And then on your recommendation, I did recently see Good Time. Good Time. Which, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies last year. Which was so good. I, I thought it was interesting because like the Robert Pattinson character He's not likable. He's like a career criminal. He manipulates everyone. But kind of the joy of the film is watching him desperately try to get his brother back. And like in really cunning, smart ways, he kind of works the people around him to get closer and closer. Yeah, he's like stepping all over people who have like had it just as bad as he does. He like uses them and exploits them to get what he wants. But by the end, you sort of like at least respect or appreciate the lengths he's willing to go to. And I really love the cinematography, how there's all these really like close-up shots, and then you have the neon lights, and then the soundtrack, which is really cool. It was just like an awesome yeah. movie. I really enjoyed that one. Easily the best score from last year, that like punishing synth stuff from like On a Thrift's Point Never. It just worked so well with the visuals and like those tight claustrophobic sort of shots. Um, but yeah, that was a really good recommendation i dug it yeah i had no doubt that you would like that movie once you finally saw it yeah and actually my buddy ronnie texted me a couple of days ago and was like have you seen good time you would love this movie yeah so i was like okay two of my (laughs) closest friends are telling me i have to see it and i finally saw it and it was great awesome what you been watching Brittany? i recently watched the ritual Um, oh on netflix yeah on netflix it's pretty amazing it's like um like the blair witch project on steroids it's really cool wait is it a found footage or not so much but like the same like well okay so it's yeah it's in the woods (laughs) it's in the woods and there's witchcraft and shit (laughs) that kind of stuff so it's these guys that are going on like a brocation in the scandinavian forest and they're going because one of their friends got murdered and they're like honoring him and they're trying to get to the nearest town and then one of the guys like hurts his ankle 
So they're like, oh, it's faster if we go through the woods and get off this path. So they go into the woods and they happen upon this cabin with this crazy, like, freaking demonic shrine that's inside of it. And it looks like no one's been in there for years. It's just, it's the creepiest feeling ever. And they all go to bed and then they wake up from these nightmares and one guy's got like a claw print on his like heart and it's like bleeding. Um, the other guy has like no pants on. One's like naked upstairs like praying to this shit. What did I just call that? Whenever there's like a thing. Shrine. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shrine. Well, he's like praying to it and they're like, whoa, whoa. Like they all like kind of wake up around the same time. Like what just fucking happened? And then there's this thing in the woods that's hunting them down like one by one. But it's not really like witchcraft. It's almost like it's like an ancient Nordic deity. Sounds like black metal. It's uh, it's yes, they, yeah. It's like the, a black metal horror film. Horror film in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, I need to watch that. Yeah, there's this scene um, where they go to it. Oh God, I don't want to like give too much weight, but the scene's so freaking good. They basically get captured, and inside this place that they're being held there's like an attic and it almost looks like a classroom or like a church in a way and it's just all these like dead corpses and these pews and then like one nasty dead corpse in the middle kind of like they're all like praying to them and they're all like a little bit alive and they're like breathing and they're like mushy skin hair is all like you know all gooey and sticky and it's like practical effects ugh. texture kind of stuff it's so fucking good yeah yeah so um i watched that really liked it maybe it's gonna be one of my favorite movies for 2018 i don't know yeah. i've seen it twice and ugh, it's just so good and also watched ghost ship for the first time wait is zach galifianakis in that one no i'm thinking of a different one then you're thinking of boat trip no wait. no it's like a horror he's, film he's yeah. a horror movie yeah it's on a goat it's on a boat and he plays like a kitchen worker but oh i don't know if he I don't. I didn't notice him. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, <laughs> look it up. Wait, did Ghost Ship come out a while ago? Yeah, like early 2000s. Yeah. Okay, I I remember seeing that like in the theaters. There's like um this very brutal opening where it's like the 1950s or maybe 1960s. Shit, I don't know. But they're all on this cruise ship, and then this wire goes and like goes from one side of the ship to the other, and it mm-hmm. cuts everybody in half. Damn. <laughs> and it's yeah. so disgusting. So basically, there's a ghost ship out there, and this guy finds it. Um, and he finds this, like, boat salvage crew that, like, finds shit in the waters and claim it. they claim it as their own, bring it in, make some money, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they go on a journey to ca- get this ship, and it's full of ghosts. <laughs> and there's, like, this one Mudvayne song that plays nice. twice. <laughs> Classy. That's that's throwing back. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's around that time. Like Mudvayne was hot. Horror movies were stupid. Yeah, it's one of those. I remember not liking it very much. It's not that good. Like it gets weird. Like that opening is striking for sure. The opening's bomb. Everything's shit after that. Yeah. Like it's worth it for the first like ten minutes, and then just don't watch it because it's not good at all. It's not scary at all. (laughs) Zach Galifianakis was in a movie called Below. Which is also like a spooky World War Two ghost ship movie. Okay. Uh, I must I'm have seen them around the same time because I just kind of like mentally placed them in the other one. <laughs> this but one was shit. It's definitely that like mainstream new metal era of horror. Right, which I, I really like. Yeah. Like, around, like Queen of the Damned I think came out around that time, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the best movies in the world. But yeah, this one was really bad. So you saw a really great horror movie and a really yeah, bad that's a good horror movie. Nice. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of the game that you have with horror. It's either gonna like knock your socks off or just really suck. Yeah. Well, I've also watched two trashy movies from the early two thousands with a new metal soundtrack. Ugh. One is a really really trashy horror film called Fear dot com with yes. Stephen Dorff. Do y'all know that film? I've seen that. Yeah. With the creepy face on the cover, it's all smushy. Yeah. Uh huh. So this is like post Ringu. Uh, so it's like when it was like early 2000 horror movies that are all about like haunted websites and yeah, like the early days of the internet. Yeah, I love that shit so much. Like, this there's a reason. Jam. Like, Unfriended is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Did you ever see The Den? Oh no, I haven't seen that one. Oh, I haven't seen good. Pulse either. No, the original Japanese Pulse is supposed you to be. You should good see too. The Den. The dude. Den. Yeah. 
This one is not a traditionally good movie. Like, it's so fucking classless. Like, the killing and torture of women in this movie is supposed to be this, like, sensual thing. Like, it's obviously made for, like, 14-year-old boys, like, to be able to get to see boobs on, like, a VHS tape in a way that's, like, a huge turnoff. But all the stuff about, like, like the taglines, like, want to see a killer website? The interactive DVD menu has a mouse clicking on fear.com.com. Uh, <laughs> and when you go to it on the online now, it's like a uh, advertisement for like British escort service. Whoa. <laughs> so like Warner Brothers has not kept the rights to this website. They just like let it lapse because nobody cares about this Why movie. Why is there an escort service on fear.com? Well, not, I don't know. Like that's in terrifying. real life, that's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. very spooky. In the movie, it's like this kind of videodrome situation where they, you see women getting tortured and it's like want to see more and you click on it and then you get a oh the ring style curse where you have to solve sounds like you deserve it. this mystery in like 48 hours or you die from ebola like symptoms mm. um it's complete trash and i loved it like it's cool. so corny and it's made from this german director so all the acting is just off in this weird way and it's shot in Lithuania, but it's supposed to look like it's New York City, so everything's off in that way, too. And it's just, like, this weird object. Like, it should, just shouldn't exist. So if you like that, like, technophobic horror stuff, that's a really fun one for, like, a good drinking night. It, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, have you ever seen 8mm? With the, Nick Cage? The Nick Cage. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, like, the snuff film early right. stages of the internet, oh. like, really dark. But anyway, the way you're describing it kind of reminds me of the level of trashiness that eight millimeter is on well for next month on the website for march we're going to be talking about suicide club which is from the same year as fear.com from 2002 and it's this japanese horror film that uses that like haunted website aesthetic to make this really fractured weird art film with all this like self-doubting philosophy about how the internet has made us become disconnected from real life and like disconnected from ourselves and just like uh completely disoriented what it means to be alive and like that stuff is so interesting and then like fear.com is like the most basic like mainstream horror take on the same subject where it's like what if a website could kill you like it's not (laughs) there's nothing interesting about it other than it's got that like new metal aesthetic and the way it tries to make like images creepy is that it shoots them through this camcorder removed so everything has this like grainy digital Mm -hmm. photography look to it and i actually found like the images of it like kind of interesting and it it tries that same collage style as suicide club where it mashes all these different things together like there's like this albino ghost child who like bounces a ball around it has nothing to do with anything but it's still like kind of creepy uh in like a very traditional sense i like how they all get like a disease Mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting yeah i want to watch it and I also watched this movie from 2001 called The One, starring Jet Li. Uh, oh, that's a badass movie, It's dude. really fun. Yeah. He plays this, like, time-traveling criminal. I'm sorry, he's not. he doesn't travel through time. He travels through parallel dimensions. And there's, like, over a hundred different versions of Jet Li. Yeah. But this criminal version has killed all of them except for one. And you, uh, he becomes stronger and more, like, uh, godlike every time he kills a version of himself. And the movie you watch is pretty much after that narrative. Like, it's him hunting down the last version of himself and eventually, you know, being caught by the parallel dimension cops and being thrown in, like, this ridiculous jail. It's a really fun, like, kind of post-Hong Kong action movie. The CGI of him doing these, like, godlike things is really funny. Like, smashes people with motorcycles and, like, uses, like, soda machines as a weapon because he's, like, so strong. But really what's so fun to me about this movie is that it has a new metal soundtrack that just does not fit with the rest of the film. Uh, in particular, there's this one scene where he fights off a room full of baddies uh, and they play a remix of Down With The Sickness. Yes. And it's remixed so that that uh, oh, wah, plays like 30 times instead of once. So every time he punches somebody, that like intro noise like repeats oh. over and over again. <laughs> Oh, it's so deliciously corny. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's two Papa Roach songs in the movie. Yes. And the movie ends with him on a prison planet fighting off hundreds of enemies while Papa Roach players on the soundtrack. (laughs) That sounds so tasteless. Do you remember liking it? 
I yeah, when I saw it as a kid, I mean, it came out. I was probably like fourteen, fourteen or fifteen. I dug the hell out of it. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it since then. What was interesting at the time was like Jet Li was set to be this huge star. There was a few other movies that came out that did relatively well, but what's happened to him since then? Like he never really took off. Him and Jackie Chan got popular here after the Hong Kong action cinema boom kind of ended. So, like, Hong Kong action cinema from, like, 85 to 97 was, like, a huge deal. Like, hard-boiled and the yeah. J- those John Woo films from right. that era, yeah. And then all the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies that used, like, John Woo and Choi Hawk and all those directors, like, brought them over to America. And then they started doing, like, American movies like Face Off and yeah, stuff Face like Off, that. Yeah, Face Off, yeah. The one is actually filmed by an American guy who was born in Hong Kong. And he also directed two of the uh, better... Final Destination movies, which we talked about on the show before. But it's very much in that vein of, like, post-Hong Kong action cinema heyday, like, American movies. And I feel like that wave just kind of naturally died. Uh, And this feels like kind of the tail end of it, because it is mixing in that, like, new metal soundtrack that does not mix in at all with, like, its futuristic look. In an attempt to kind of stay relevant. But it probably did at the time. It was probably, like, cool. Oh, I'm yeah. sure I would have loved it when I was 14. Yeah. Like, Korn was my favorite band in 2001. Like, so I would have been, I totally would have bought into it, but... Uh, I like new metal a lot. Yeah, just yeah, hearing... Like, still likes new metal. Just talking about, like, like Mudvayne and System of a Down is getting me nostalgic. Amped right now. <laughs> so that's probably a good uh, intro to the style of movies we're going to be talking about today. Like I said earlier, this is going to be a movie of the minute extravaganza. Each of us picked a movie no one else here had seen yet before. Um, and we're going to all be talking about those right, right now. now. If Lumen die, my people die. Your people, your world, you mentioned this before. Now, what are you talking about here? What are you? Gnome. A gnome. And can you grant wishes, gnome? No. Can you? Wise ass, huh? All right, so you're a gnome. What's your name, gnome? Gnorm. Gnorm. Right, I'm going to stake out with a gnome named Norm. Yep. First of all, if you were a gnome, you would know that the G in gnome is silent. It's gnome, okay? No, it's cannot. Don't push it with me. First up on the slate, Brittany's going to present a fantasy comedy from the early 90s. What is this? So, I made everybody watch a gnome named Norm, also known as Upworld, or a gnome named Gnorm. Also known as Nomocop. In some markets, what? which is amazing. There's a lot of titles for this. Yeah, it's a buddy cop comedy. Kind of reminds me of oh shit, what's that T Rex movie? Theodore Rex. Theodore Rex a little bit, where there's a human cop with um their sidekick that is this inhuman Jim Henson, not Jim Henson like knockoff puppet. Of a dinosaur. Yes, except it's a gnome in this one. <laughs> that looks just like Michael J. Fox. So, anyways. That's a huge insult to Michael J. Fox. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, like, he's a decent looking gnome. <laughs> if, I mean, he, he could look weirder. He is pretty cute, honestly. Yeah, and then he opens his mouth and he gets gross. But, anyways. So, this is a movie that was, like, directed by Stan Winston, who's known for doing badass, like, makeup effects and shit for... Uh, Jurassic Park, Edward Scissorhands. The Terminator. Yeah, and Heartbeeps. Wow, I hate Heartbeeps. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my least favorite movies. Well, he was like nominated for like, a, I think a Golden Globe for his freaking Heartbeeps. That's amazing. How great is that? Or I don't know, shit, some kind of award that was badass. I'm pretty sure it was a Golden Globe. Anyways, so this was his second attempt at directing he did Pumpkinhead before this. Oh, really? I like Pumpkinhead. It's a good movie. That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> then he came out with this thing. All right. And the thing is, is the gnome looks amazing. Like, he looks so real, as realistic as a gnome can be. Other than that, the movie's kind of crappy. <laughs> but um, anyway, so a gnome named Norm lives um, underground, and he's a tunneler. So he just kind of digs tunnels in He's his. not a warrior. He's not a warrior, no. But boy, does he want to be. So he can oppress those lady gnomes. So <laughs> he takes the little stones that are super important to their gnome world, and he brings them up to the up world, which is where we live, um, to have them charged by the sun. So then he's going to be known as a warrior when he returns. And then he's in the park whenever he kind of comes up and at the same time there's a sting operation going on 
which Anthony Michael Hall's character Casey is involved in. And he's kind of like this goofy cop that's trying to prove himself. I got this. Like, I'm going to be a good cop. But he's like... Kind of like the whoopee cushion of the office. He's very unprofessional. Well, he's a he's an overgrown child. Like he's afraid of guns. Yeah. He like collects comic books. He wears like a backwards baseball cap instead of his like regular cop uniform. Mm-hmm. Like he's basically like an eight year old kid if they were a police officer, which is a terrifying concept. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know how did he even get in a position to be a detective? This guy doesn't take anything seriously. Hello, our police. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. I mean, they probably, I feel like they were like, oh, he seems like a nice kid. Let's give him a chance and like mold him to be this like badass detective. And it just didn't work out. Um, you, you would think of him being scared of guns would be like a disqualifying factor. Like, and his backwards cap. Yeah. So he's just kind of a shit cop. And he happens upon Norm in the park during his little sting operation. And the two get involved and try to, you know, take down a bad guy. We've all seen this story like a million times before. Yeah. And then all the whole time, um, he loses a lumen or two. Yeah. His little rocks. His lumen. It's kind of like a MacGuffin. Like, we have to get the lumen back from the bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. So. Okay. I It is like a mediocre kind of movie, but... Uh-huh. I thought that the detective story was not interesting. No. It hits the beats that you know it's going to hit, and there's like a little twist in there, like, oh, he's actually the bad guy. And you see it coming a mile away. It's not anything special, right. but I thought the film actually worked really well. Just the chemistry with Anthony Michael Hall and the puppet. Like, he has a certain charisma, and like, there's a, some really. I thought kind of funny, tender moments with him and Norm. Like, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed those moments. It's when it started to try to fit into the predictable yeah. beats of the story so you, that it, you I, it lost my interest. their friendship a lot. Yeah, I yeah. thought that, like, the foundation of the movie, like, the friendship between the two of them was, like, I thought pretty enjoyable, honestly. Yeah, I'm on a way different page. <laughs> really? I'm trying to figure what? out, like, I what it is. It. I was going to blame Anthony Michael Hall. I think that Norm is fucking disgusting. What? So gross. Get out of here. Well, are you talking about his, like, His appearance and his attitude. His, yeah. Just as much as this is, like, a Theodore Rex-type movie. Yeah. It's also, like, an E.T.-style knockoff. Like, Mac and Me, kind of like... Let's yeah. do a cheap version of E.T. You know, mixed with a buddy cop movie. And the dynamic between Norm and Anthony Michael Hall is that Anthony Michael Hall is this, you know, overgrown child. Norm is this really grotesquely masculine, macho monster. Not only does he look gross to me, like, he has this weird pursed lips that, like, really bother me. He makes me. weird sounds, too. He like... spits all over the place, and has this, like, viscous, disgusting saliva. It's pretty gross when he, yeah, he, can, he can do, like, a sleep spell where he'll start yawning, and then the person that he's doing it to, like, falls asleep. And when he does it, he, like, his little mouth, like, uh. opens up, and it's just his, like, teeth, and he's like... <sighs> Well, yeah. okay, it took 16 puppeteers to operate Norm. In the credits, they, they credit him as Norm, as himself, uh, which is ridiculous. He was supposed to do more with his life, right? I think. But there's 16 people <laughs> operating the puppet, so it makes sense that the lips are, like, sort of overdone. Like, someone's operating that mouth, yeah. and there's, just like, more muscles going on there than any being should have. I found that very distracting. But even worse than his look is his personality. Because mm-hmm. he's like a womanizing piece of shit. All he does is objectify women this whole movie. Which is really funny to me, but so gross. Like, he keeps commenting on women's asses and tits, which he calls... Bobos. Ra- popos or tits, and asses or roundies in his language. So cute. Uh. <laughs> and this goes both for, like, lady gnomes and for, like, human ladies. Yeah. And, like, the movie ends, spoiler, with him kissing the, uh... Forcing himself. Forcing himself it. in this lady cop with a freeze frame of Anthony Michael Hall doing the same thing right after. And Gnome tells him, like, an encouragement. He's like, make her toes curl. Uh, which is a sound bite that will haunt me for, like, my whole life. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, to hear you, like, call this, like, a cute kids movie... No, no, it's not a cute kids movie. What I'm saying is, like... I thought that Anthony Michael Hall actually, with what he was given, yeah, like, hey, try to interact with this puppet and make it seem like y'all are buddies. Like, 
he definitely like rose to the challenge. Oh yeah. The problem is in like the script, and I feel like a lot of that comes from the director. Like it seems like a choice by the filmmakers to make him overly sexualized. Yeah. Because that doesn't come from any sort of gnome mythology. Like that, they just like <laughs> Not pick at that all. right. They just pick that out of the air. Like, oh, we're gonna make him a womanizer, and that's what's so weird. I thought it was gonna be more yeah. kid friendly, and they try to put in this adult stuff like he ends up in a strip club at one point what like (laughs) this is not the movie i thought i had signed up for it's like i could partially understand some of that because when they make you know movies like this for children they want to throw in some like funky dirty things for the parents to be like (laughs) but but usually it's more clever than that it was like really for dirty old men. Yeah, this would not get made in the same way no No. this is like a bygone era we're not going back to and you used to watch those as a kid right mm-hmm. did you catch on to like all the sex stuff in the movie because there's a lot of sex in the gnome named norm no i didn't at all i just it was a more innocent gnome. time it's before i knew about all this other stuff he dresses cool and stuff too like when you have to disguise him he like yeah. wears ray-bans and like uh kind of like this Little hip like hat. la like biker and they, they play low rider oh yeah yeah well he's like after he eats a bunch of cardboard at the end, when he gives the uh, thumbs up freeze frame, Low Rider plays a second time, just so you can remember how cool Norm is on your way out. I just found him so gross, and like it even extends to how he fights. Like he bites gangsters on the ass and like grabs their dicks. Yes, at the same time, it's like a sexual move. Doesn't he also in one scene put the hook? He shoves a the... meat hook up a gangster's ass in this yeah. movie. <laughs> one also in the he fu- loves butts in the Rambies. climactic battle. He shoots himself up. Into the guy's ass. He comes out of the ground <laughs> into the main villain's ass. Like, didn't you think though the the whole thing with the lumen like made sense? Like, it's cool. it, they had a cool mythology that oh he has to come up they to up. to get the power from the sun because they live underground. Yeah. Like there is a movie in there. It's almost like a glimpse that, of like a Jim Henson movie that never got made. Yeah. Right. If they would have made it more wholesome and like. More try to attract like more of a family audience and trying to be some kind of dirty but like just this isn't all working off. on the scale of like a dark crystal or a, um the labyrinth or something like it has to be as gross as it is for anyone to remember it. I don't think they could have sold the majesty of like Norm's background. Like there's a reason we don't see the other gnomes because they blew all their budget on this one expensive. 16 person operated puppet like it's the only one they could afford so like i don't know the image of norm dressed up like a baby doll <laughs> oh, and like the fucking eraser head baby like that's gonna stick with you more than if they mm-hmm. had tried to do like a typical jim henson type story do you think it would have been better if he had a lady gnome that he wasn't as like sexy with Oh, he would have been you know sexy I mean? with her. But if he wasn't, <laughs> would that have been, like, better? Like, if they would have had more gnomes? If they would have dropped the sexual stuff and had him have an actual romantic interest in another gnome, and then at the end, he's the hero and they kiss. Yeah, yeah. Then, like, we're good. You know, but, you know in Gremlins too, where they, like, put lipstick on a gremlin and give it tits, and it's like, this is the lady gremlin. Yeah. Like that's oh that probably that's what they would have done. It would have been so yeah, it would have been bad. Never like, mind. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been even grosser. No. Um, um, it's like putting human sexuality onto a thing that should should be like asexual, right? Yeah. Really. Yeah. And now that, that's what feels sort of weird. He's just like a dirty old man in a gnome's body. A dirty old gnome. So did y'all like Anthony Michael Hall's performance, or would you have I preferred did. someone else? No, I as liked his him. Buddy cop. I thought he was fully committed to the role. Yeah. But you could also kind of just see his career dying on the screen. Like, this yeah. was him. He's a little desperate in here. He's, like, branching out from the John Hughes era of his career here. This is, yeah, could he, have been a big hit for him, I guess, but it wasn't. And it's just kind of embarrassing. I mean, he wanted to get away from the whole, like, nerd kind of right. typecast. Yeah. And he has gone on till he was in... This really popular wow. TV show, Dead Zone, yeah, that was on yeah. for years and like was a big hit. He's d- and Edward Scissorhands. He was wow. in there like Johnny Be Good. Yeah, he's done stuff since that. It's not he's like been successful. Yeah, but this was like a star making attempt. I think he and tried. It, it did not work. Oh. No, poor little angel. But yeah, he, it wasn't his fault. Like it, he's committed yeah. to the bit. Yeah, it's just building the movie around this like grotesque, womanizing gnome creature. It was just so bizarre. 
And honestly, in the 90s, like, if I had seen it as, like, an adult, I probably would have had, like, negative reaction to it. Like, the same way, like, we have negative reactions, like, the Minions or, like, the Emoji movie or something. Yeah. But watching it now, like, it's fucking hilarious. Like, that a mistake on this scale was made where it's, like, this gross and, like, this oddly structured. Like, I find it really funny and I like The fact that, like, the decision to make his character that way went through probably, like, 30, 40 people, people that yeah. all signed off on, yes, this is the direction yeah. we're going to go in. Yeah, but, it's like a Mac and Me, Howard the Duck style pleasure, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, it's more towards like Howard the Duck, I think. That's a good, that's a good point of comparison, uh-huh. actually. The but, Rex was more of a gentleman. <laughs> for sure. I'd still, I, I'd still say I enjoyed it on some level as like just a weird a anomaly, like what? <laughs> Screamo, porno, grind, black metal, mathcore, thrash, and mortalcore, but apart from those. It's just not my thing. I don't really get it. And for my selection, I made everyone watch a New Zealand horror film titled Deathgasm. It's a sort of zombie horror comedy in the line of New Zealand films like the Peter Jackson movies, like Dead Alive, kind of in that tradition. Uh, uh, Evil Dead, too, I think. Yeah. There was even someone in there that had, like, a bad taste shirt. Mm. Bad, yeah. 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 Um, and the reason I selected it for today is because everyone in this room really likes metal. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And this is a movie, it came out in 2015, and it made my, like, best, like, trashy movies of the year. Yeah. And I think the reason I liked Deathgasm so much is that it feels most authentic to metal fandom in, like, horror movies. Uh, If you think to, like, the 80s, they have stuff like Shock 'em Dead and Trick or Treat and a few other movies that are, like, playing into this idea that, like, satanic messages are being snuck into metal records and, like, corrupting children. And this movie picks that idea back up and is like, fuck yeah, it is. It's, like, (laughs) so cool. And the, the sort of metal nerdery in the movie is, like, really um, genuine. Like, th- there's a lot of, like, references to, like, Burzum and, I don't know, He has, he has good taste. There's, yeah. like, 50 Trivium posters Trivi- throughout yeah. this whole movie. The metal's, like, actually good. Like, the soundtrack has these bands I've never even heard of on it. Skullfist, Beast Wars, Axe Slasher. Uh, they reference King Diamond a couple times. Like I don't yeah. even know all the bands, but like the music is legitimately good, and it's stuff I would listen to as a metal fan, uh, which is refreshing to actually hear in a horror film because usually it's like cheesy metal that like you know it's just what the movie could afford, I guess. I'll do a quick rundown of the plot. It's these kids in New Zealand who are your typical metalhead high school students. In that they're total wimpy nerds. Uh, and, you know, they play Dungeons and Dragons. They get beat up by bullies. They, like, pine after girls from a distance, but, like, don't actually dare to, like, you know, talk to them, like, people. And as an escapist power fantasy, they listen to a lot of metal. Like, early in the film, you'll see them putting on headphones. And as soon as, like, a guitarist starts, they get transported to, like, a metal album cover on, like, top of a mountain with, like, Viking horns and shit. It's straight out of those, like, heavy metal magazines. Yeah, it looks like an Iron Maiden album cover Uh or something. And they start a band, and it's a pretty traditional, like, black metal style band where, you know, they wear the corpse paint and film these, like, sort of cheesy music videos in the woods and such. And the way things go wrong is that they steal this ancient scroll from their favorite local band uh, and play this tune that's described on there and it's a doom metal song that they play on the guitar and it awakens this like demon force uh it's the king of demons is awoken and possesses everyone within earshot of the first time they play the song and they keep saying demons like a demonic possession but it really it's like a zombie outbreak and the town sort of becomes zombies and they live out another power fantasy from like metalhead fandom which is just like destroying zombies with like their guitars and 
uh, all kinds of other like household objects around where they like sort of become heroes instead of like the bullied. How did y'all feel about Deathgasm? I loved it. I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was really good. I can't think of a more metal, truly metal movie that I've ever seen that really (laughs) captures, like, what makes metal Metal. so fucking awesome. Yeah. Any kind of horror comedy, like, it kind of has to have a good mixture of both, and, like, the gore was off the charts. Like, see dude getting his spine ripped out there's stuff like sex toys where like he's beating people with dildos, dildos and yeah, like, that seems like both funny and gruesome like the, the them beating up zombies with these like giant dildos like it seems like it would be like purely for a joke but once they start hitting the zombies hard with the dildo like start, yeah it's pretty brutal it's pretty gross and amazing my favorite thing was um their metal handshake when they like just quickly, like, got their hands together. I was like... Yeah, and they do the horns. Oh, it's... Ugh, I want to do it so bad. <laughs> it, it just, the movie has this, like, energy. It's just really, like, exuberant. And you could tell the director actually loves metal. Right. Like, you could tell it's just in his soul and he gets w- what metal is, like, about. And the film just goes, like, off the deep end with the gore and the craziness. But it's always fun and hysterical like there's some gags in there they're just fucking hilarious it, it gets to a point where like you get numbed out a little bit at yeah. the door you're just like whoa like it's even at just... 80 minutes like it goes on a little long that but that's really the only like negative i could say about it but for the most part it's just such a fun wild like funny movie i really i loved it i liked it because there seems like in the metal community there's people who like take it really really seriously mm-hmm. and then they're also like metal fans that can like make fun of themselves and i really feel like this was more on that side like yeah. you know it's funny one of the more iconic yeah. images <laughs> in the movie is the kid in corpse paint eating an ice cream cone on a park bench and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh you're so tough and demonic enjoying your like ice cream cone like it just like made me feel like high school like all this shit this kid was doing you know like let's go to a record store and get like some cool like metal record the main character's love interest there's a great scene where she's like walking down the street and she's listening to like some kind of (laughs) hip-hop and she's like turns it off you can see she's like kind of bored with it she puts on the like metal cd that he gave her and she just like as soon as she hears those distorted guitars and that riff it like you were saying she just is transported to like a mountaintop with like sex goddesses around her and like that's such a we've all been there yeah, we've been there. Like, like that's the when first you listen to your first like metal album. Right. It's like fuck. Or you hear a great yeah. record that has like great riffs and it just transports you to like this epic mm-hmm. feeling. Her character is actually something that I thought more about this time in kind of a weird way. The movie's very juvenile. Like the dildo fight is very juvenile. There's like a chainsaw gets shoved up someone's ass and there's like a weed eater to a dick. Like it it goes really over the top in this like kind of crass teenage boy kind of way. Uh, but I think it kind of has a, like, teen boy view of sexuality as well. Like, it's really obsessed with tits. And the way that, like, they win over the preppy girl to metal fandom. Oh, if she could just hear how cool metal is, she would be won over. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of, like, a teen boy fantasy in yeah. there. But I do enjoy, I do like that the character sort of discovers the metal on her own. Like, even though he gives her, like, a CD as a recommendation, like, yeah. she's still comes over to fandom throughout the movie and like she changes allegiances from like preppy to a metalhead over the film but like it does seem like it, it's somewhat natural for her like she's already kind of bored meant to be a metalhead like yeah right. once she gets like that one taste of it she's like oh yeah she's just not exposed yeah. to it yet yeah she just didn't yeah know. it seemed like a genuine reaction for her to right. be into it but i wouldn't be like surprised if like a female metalhead fan saw this movie and was like there's so many fellatio jokes and like unnecessary tits and stuff like it i could see being turned off by the sex politics of it but but hasn't the genre always been sort of that's kind of a problem though it's not like critical of that in any way i mean i guess it's celebrating it in a way but i think it's just being honest like this is the history of metal you look at like old Mm -hmm. album covers from the 80s and it's like some hunky dude on a mountaintop, like sex goddesses at his feet. Like, um, like Man of War. Man of War, exactly. Yeah. That that's actually the album cover <laughs> I was thinking of. Like, yeah, when that you is, said that, is what I that saying. is the stereotype. And so it's just being true to like the yeah. history of the genre. Right. It's just interesting that like when she gets transported, she 
doesn't get like a gender flipped version of that. She doesn't have like two right, hunky guys two at her feet. She has like the same two women. That's a good right. point. Uh, oh, I didn't think about that. But it's not a problem necessarily. It's just something I thought about more this time. I did like how she. It's not like oh, like he's so hot and I want to impress him, so I'm gonna like make myself like this. Like I don't think she was really like attracted to him so much in the beginning, and then like it's like she just liked it herself and was like, oh, this is some cool shit. He's kind of cool for liking this cool shit. Yeah. Well, also, I think she was drawn to his artistry. Like, remember, she finds some of the uh, stuff that he drew. His, like, really dirty scribbles. Yeah, but she, I think she, she sees, like, he's it. talented. But so this is, it like, comes her from... inner metal is poking out. Like, she's always, she's yeah. like, oh, cool. <laughs> I like the uh, opening credit sequence is, like, a montage of, like, heavy metal style imagery, but it's through his, like, notebook drawings. Uh-huh. So the opening credits is, like, a sort of, like, crash course in, like, metal iconography through this, like, hand-drawn notebook art that looks really cool. And that's, like, a big thing. Like, I never had metal hand-drawn stuff. I did, like, more, like, emo cartoons, mm-hmm. if anything. But um, I was cleaning out my bedroom, and I came across, like, my brother's old notebooks, and he just had, like, big Satan's drawings with, like, tits and a giant penis and fire shooting out of it and I'm like oh jeez you know like stuff like that because I mean a little metal the, notebook the genre's always attracted the kind of like <laughs> sophomoric like when you're really angsty and kind of pissed off at the oh, world totally. and it, that's the kind of people it draws in and so it makes sense that they're drawing giant right dicks and they're it's all like, hormonal yeah but it was a really like genuine expression of metal fandom yeah it doesn't feel like outsiders making a movie like capitalizing on like because like the 80s movies especially uh trick-or-treat oh god yeah it's not very good it was an excuse to put gene simmons and ozzy osbourne in a movie for two seconds right and they're like oh we can make a quick buck by like making you know a metal style movie um even more so the uh kiss film um phantom of the park is like this really oh man you should watch that shit but it's this really corny, like, amusement park horror film starring Kiss. <laughs> and it's like, there's nothing, like, even hard rock about this. Like, it just no. felt like, you know, standard movie studio stuff. And this movie is more like nerds on, like, a scrappy budget making this, like, nasty horror film. There is a metal horror movie that I would totally recommend that's just as good as this. Mm. Halloween? Oh, fuck. Not Halloween. That's a band. Hack-O-Lantern. 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 You reviewed that for the website a while ago. I haven't seen that. I've been, I found, like, a t-shirt of it, and it's, like, my new favorite thing in the world. But it's this guy who's, like, in his... He looks like he'd be 40, and he's balding, but he's, like, an angsty teen. And his grandfather's, like, satanic, and he offered him up to, like, be the devil's son. And he has, like, there's just one scene where he picks up a guitar and he's, like, transported into a music video. And there's, like, a metal lady who's like, you're the devil's son. <laughs> it's, it's very good. But, um, yeah, Hack-O-Lantern. Um, it's, it's also called Halloween Night. Yeah, the ultimate title for that one. Yeah. I would say that's another good, like, yeah, um, and you know, a movie real metal that, people made it. A movie I kept thinking of while watching it, too, was, like, Spinal Tap. It, but it's more satire. Like, it doesn't seem like the people that made Spinal Tap actually like metal or hard rock music. They just want to mock it and like make fun of it, where this was like a genuine love of the genre. See, I, I thought of uh, Pick of Destiny, the uh, Tenacious D movie. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good That's example, genuine too. metal fandom, but the music's not there. It's like, funky. It's, yeah, they do like... They're playing with like metal iconography, but they're kind of doing this like jokey parody soundtrack. Where this yeah. is like, no, they're playing like Cannibal Corpse and yeah. like, it's like a different kind shit. of metal. Yeah, it's not like hair metal or I don't know. It's more like death metal. Right. Yeah. This isn't Dio and uh, yeah. Yeah. This is some intense like. Yeah, this is like metal Scandinavian metal shit. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Like when you're into metal, you just get deeper down the rabbit hole and you just seek out more extreme yeah and then you get to mayhem and you're like shit all right (laughs) all right i'm done (laughs) yeah and that it's felt like the filmmakers like yeah have gone all the way down and like truly appreciate the uh all of metal the music video they make is called intestinal bungee jump yeah (laughs) which is like every black metal video you've seen just close faint in the woods yeah yeah Yeah, totally but some of them get it wrong because they're not really that into metal so like they wear like peter chris makeup like it's not quite right yeah Yeah. well it's the the dungeon and dragon kids that are just kind of like yeah i mean this is cool let's dress up like this and like there's two like real metal dudes in it yeah Mm -hmm. and there's two like yeah his buddy is like hardcore like metal i don't give a fuck about 
And I feel like it is critical about his macho stuff. Oh, yeah. He's like, Deathgasm. That's the name of our band. All capital letters, because lowercase is for pussies. (laughs) Like, you're supposed to find that funny. So it it, it does have a critical eye to, like, the macho posturing of metal, but, like, I think it kind of overlooks some of its own politics with, like, the romance angle, I think, a little bit. I didn't even look at it that way. And, like, our, our main guy, he's, like, the softer, more, like, emotional side of metal, and he's, like, our, you know... Our protagonist. But he's also, like, kind of that nice guy trope. He's trying to nice guy this girl into, like, being into him, you know? But he's really nice, I think. But he actually is genuinely genuinely nice. nice. But but his friend is, like, kind of every stereotype of, like, the dude you knew in the metal band that just, like, was a piece of shit and just, like, didn't care. But his character has a nice arc where he comes around. Friendship is back. Yeah. Like a gnome named Norm. This is a different kind of friendship. <laughs> that is true. Mm-hmm. And but... the guy does transform into this gorgeous demon oh, yeah. creature towards the end that's oh. really cool to look at. Final selection, James has chosen a Japanese horror film. I'm so sorry. What is this? <laughs> what is this thing that we watched? So it is called Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. It's pretty much one of those movies where you just read the title and you kind of know what you're getting into. The movie revolves around a group of friends who's led by this main protagonist whose sister recently committed suicide. And she's grieving over that, and they decide to go to the woods to get away. But along the way, she eats uh, a piece of fish that has a parasite. Intentionally eats the fish. Intentionally to help her lose weight. It's a, now that you're mentioning that, I didn't know that like pe- women did this, but they basically buy tapeworms. Really? Eat them. Is that so, a real thing? Yeah, because if you have a tapeworm, you don't have any like nutrients, and you lose a shit ton of weight. So like people... like. Literally tapeworms. That was a Mindy Calling plot on The Office. Uh, oh yeah, back in the day. But no, people really do that. That's, That's crazy. messed Isn't up. Isn't that nuts? But yeah, she's so so she eats. Yeah, she gets this tapeworm. <laughs> she also has this weird uh, version of farting. She doesn't want to let go of her bodily functions. Anyway, she gets a really bad case of diarrhea when they're in the woods. She goes to this outhouse, and <sighs> she relieves herself in this monstrous shit, which unleashes a kind of zombie <laughs> apocalypse of sorts. Of and shit. Right. The and zombies they, are made of shit. They're made of shit. They're covered oh. in shit. They climb and, out of the toilet. Right. There's a, a scene where they're just putting their hands up out of the, the outhouse toilet and grabbing her. Um, yeah, her butt. Her, like, perfect, like, white ass has, like, this big shit smear. Big shit smear. On it. And... And basically what happens from that point forward is this group of four have to fight these shit zombies. And the parasites that are living inside of her start coming out of her ass and become kind of like tentacle monsters that wage war with the uh, shit zombies. And And uh, also sexually assault people the way tentacle monsters tend to do in Japanese media. The reason I wanted y'all to watch this is like, Japan gets a lot of shit for how weird their culture is. Tentacle porn, you know, the main protagonist is dressed up like a Mm schoolgirl. The whole movie, there's like kind of weird perverted sex stuff and bodily functions. And pretty much this whole film brings all that together in a really fucked up way. And to me, it's like, if you want to try to explain to someone the fucked up nature of aspects of like Japanese Culture, you should just show them this movie because this sure. movie does not exist in any other country. This feels very like very Japanese and it's very gross. And depending on your sensibilities, you either enjoy it or you think it's the worst thing in the world. What did you guys think of Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead? I 
was eating supper. Oh no! Oh no! I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it oh, was no. um. So there are these things they sell where it's like loaded Doritos. It's like a Cool Ranch Dorito stuffed with cheese, and you put it in the oven. And, like, I bit into it, and then the cheese, like, came out. Oh, no. As, like, shit was coming out of someone's mouth. Oh, my God. I'm getting <laughs> sick just hearing you describe the <laughs> So, yeah. It's, uh... It was hard to watch, but the part... I did really enjoy this one part, where she's flying with her fart. Like, her fart lifts her up in the air. <laughs> yes. And then there's, like, the shit monster tapeworm thing with this other schoolgirl who's, like, acting like a psycho. Yeah. And they're, like, there's, like, this air fight. I think it becomes kind of, like, a superhero, like, Power Rangers-style uh-huh. duel towards the end, for sure. I really liked the main girl. I can't think of her name. It was, like... Harumi? I don't know. Something, mm-hmm. something. But she was really cool. I liked all her moves. Yeah, when it gets to that level with the tentacles, yeah. and it does become like a Godzilla movie yeah. or something. I like that part of it. It's like, if you can get through the shit, and like, the zombie monsters, like literally when they cough up, it's just like shit. Just, yeah, it's just like, diarrhea. there's just shit everywhere. Like, it's, I've never seen so much shit. Is this one of the most repulsive movies you've ever seen? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, so. Didn't you review a movie called Septic Man that had a similar oh God, shit monster? What? Septic Man, yeah, but it was more like narrow in focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's only or, one Septic Man. Right, just one Septic Man. He's in a sewer and he evolves into this shit like, being. This is like on a fantastical level. And that's the thing, like, I think like shit people are funny. Like the Green Jelly song, Shit Man. And <laughs> they have the music video where it's just this man made of shit. Yeah. He smells like poo-poo. <laughs> I, I think that's really funny, and I enjoy Apparently, it. Apparently, I think the word poo-poo is funny, because it's so good. It's funny. So I think that, but I think maybe because this was so realistic. Like, this is just like, it looks just like diarrhea, and like, and people might, I don't know, it just felt so real to me, where if it was just a monster made of shit, I would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> but this was just like people doused in shit. It was everywhere. So, Brandon, what what did you think? I want to buck against something you're saying, which is that like this is like the gross end of Japanese culture. I think it's more the gross end of Japanese pornography, which is like a more specific thing. Like this is this is an extreme pornography niche version of Japanese culture. Is there poop hentai? I'm sure there is like shit porn in Japan. Like there is I know in every country. Porn. It's a big yeah. It's definitely a thing. Um, the director of this film, his name is Noboru Aguchi. He is a porn director. Like, and there is a porn actress in there, too. Yeah. So this is a guy who started off making porn and then made, like, kind of these over-the-top horror films later in his career. And this movie is from 2012, so it's not that long ago. And the movie is sort of like the zeitgeist of, like, extreme porn. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I wouldn't want... I'm sure it happens, but I wouldn't want, like, America to be judged on, like, its extreme porn... As, like, an example of, like, the worst end of its culture. Because well, it's, like, a more is, specific pocket of the culture. But this was released in theaters to a <laughs> wide audience and is on Netflix. I mean, this isn't, like... I don't know how wide of an audience. I mean... I, don't, I, I mean, I don't know what it made in the box. But I'm saying... Like, when it, it played here, it played at, like, Fantastic Fest, which is, like, you know... This, like, still, tiny horror festival. But is that festival playing pornography? No, no, it's, like, like a horror film. But, you know, it's, like, an extreme horror film it's like a gross out horror i would say like along the lines of like street trash or like yeah uh what was another example like the greasy strangler which is another one mm-hmm. um and that one's an american film and features like micro penises and just like grotesque bodies and weird repetition people smearing themselves in grease like but i i get what you're saying with because like japanese is just like it's that the whole like the entertainment culture is just insane like I, w- I used to read manga a lot, and I mean, this just reminded me of, like, this is so, like, a manga. Like, you just never expect yeah, what's right coming down to Right down to the objectification of, like, teenage girls. Right, like, a Japanese schoolgirl. That yeah, is, that, like, there's a perversion weird noises yeah, throughout the, the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and it does not shy away from that at all. Like, you, this girl is very much, like, I mean, sure, the actor is probably over 18 or whatever but the film like makes her She's look pubescent yeah. and then like she gets violated by tentacles late in the film and it's like so gross but that's a huge thing yeah like i i think it's specifically japanese extreme japanese pornography that we're talking about here not like japanese culture 
I guess what I'm saying is like I think that extreme weird pornography we're talking about is part of the culture and mm-hmm. the reason like it comes from a place. It's not like the weird pornography is separate from mainstream culture. Like obviously this is an outlier, an extreme example, but right. the stuff in here is present in mainstream I mean, culture too in a, a lesser the same way, way our pornography is can be gross and does the same thing that yeah okay that, i mean that's <laughs> yeah yeah that's true I like, feel like I the think... japanese are more comfortable with their sexuality though like <laughs> they take it to an extreme where like here we would look at that and be like oh fuck that's this weird. kind of thing but over there it's just play. like huh. Okay. It's hard to say because, I mean, the Greasy Strangler, I saw that in the theater, and it's it's gross in a similar way, mm-hmm. even though it's gross in an American way. It's hard to say about the comfort of bodies being different there because this movie is built on the idea that it's embarrassing that girls fart and shit. And, like, that feels like kind of a cultural thing to me, more so mm-hmm. than the shit porn and the tentacle porn is this idea that it's embarrassing that girls have body functions. Wish I could fart right but now. Do, but doesn't that, <laughs> that... That seemed like one of the more universal aspects. Like, no, yeah. That's something in America that girls right. still deal with. Like, uh, yeah, I don't want to try to say that this represents, like, Japanese culture. I'm not, I'm not saying... I don't, you don't like this extreme, movie. You won't like Japan. Yeah, no, this is an extreme outlet. But I'm saying there's right. something in here that is so fucked up on a large scale in the fact that it's very Tokyo, like very funky and but the all fact over the place. that it played in a any sort of mainstream theater in Japan does say something about the culture at large that this was seen as like somewhat acceptable. Yeah. Whereas like in America, if you try to put this movie in an AMC theater, it would people would be I mean the, very gre- angry. the Greasy Strangler played it like broad for like a week and then disappeared. Like it wasn't at right. AMC or anything. This but... felt like it had a wider audience than something like the Greasy Strangler in America. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where it played there, but I, I do think that the the bodily function stuff, I find that to be more indicative of a culture at large, like the idea that like you had this like nerdy characters like, oh my god, teeth coming from the ass of a beautiful girl. He's like pointing to the transgression of like these grotesque things coming from like a beautiful woman's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that more indicative of like a larger cultural thing I than see. than the other stuff, which felt very like niche niche. I can, I can never say that word. The tentacle porn and, like, the shit stuff is obviously transgressive and has become this sort of, like, cliche of, like, this is how we think of, like, extreme Japanese pornography. But I think it's, like, more of a small subset than what we're giving it credit for. It's almost like an Americanized version of what we imagine extreme Japanese pornography to be like. Yeah, in a way. and we have this guy who is a pornographer making this gross-out horror movie that's meant to, like, push your buttons and, like, really ick you out. Like, that's what... This movie's like a comedy, in a, in a sense. Sort like, <laughs> But really, it's really just trying to gross you out yeah. in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And it does so by pushing all these ideas to, like, the most extreme example that he could think of. Until it does become supremely silly by the end, where you have this big Power Rangers kaiju-style fight. I just kept getting so, like, surprised, like... It kept pushing the envelope like more and more and more. Where like at first I was like, oh, are they gonna show her butt when she's in the porta potty? Oh, they showed her ass, and then they showed like literally the rim of her <laughs> anus while this like creature's protruding out of it, and it was just sort of like whoa, whoa. Like it just kept getting like more and more intense. And like, in a way, though, by. it does like transcend all that by the end. Like you said, when they're just in the sky fighting, yeah. you're just like, okay, this is like so over the top that like I don't in the middle of the movie it gets it's like still a little too real to where it's like kind of uncomfortable but I do think by the end it transcends all that and it's just oh, like silly and that's kind of like she frees her farts and that's what helps her save herself where it's just like <laughs> I mean we should all just fart and yeah, it's like, be happier right there is a message yeah. in there like, like her sister kills herself because she got caught farting in public right uh, and yeah the struggle is her like learning to accept the idea that she can fart in front of other people I'm gonna, which is I'm gonna fart at work tomorrow <laughs> yeah, that's such a zombie ass <laughs> that's such an insane like character arc like yeah. The whole premise of the movie is like her like, learning to, it's okay. yeah, it's okay. and the the way they treat kind of small stuff like that as a big deal early on does become kind of quaint by the mm-hmm. end. Like the the biggest actual laugh I got out of the movie was an early scene where one of the girls sort of falls down on a zombie and smashes its head with her ass, 
And she goes, I killed him with my butt. And it, <laughs> it plays that motion three times in a row in slower and slow, slower uh-huh. frame rates. Uh, and I found that kind of funny. And especially by the time you get to the end where it's like really over the top, you're like, wow, that was such a small moment um, compared to like where the movie's going to go. I know we were kind of talking about this before, but do you see any connection between the, the three movies we were talking about well, today? Well, okay, all of us picked monster movies. So, like, Norm is a monster. Yeah. You have the zombies in both of the other movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the two, the two zombie films are obviously more connected immediately. They're all very juvenile masculine sexuality in all three of these films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the dildo wielding and deathgasm and mm-hmm. Norm with those popos and roundies and zombie ass with every single frame of the movie. Yeah. And then all three of them feature objects being maliciously shoved up people's asses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Norm yeah. shoves a meat hook <laughs> up a gangster's ass. Right. Uh, there's a chainsaw being shoved up an ass in the second film. And then uh, in zombie ass, there's a lot of things, but most of the tentacles. <laughs> so, you know what that reminds me of is like, you know, I went to an all boys Catholic high school. And whenever you get a group of like juvenile men around each other, it eventually will devolve into like fucking each other in the ass. Or at least like simulating it or joking about right, it. Right, it's like the funny thing. Which is so weird. And it, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Like all these movies, it has that juvenile masculine point of view and it all right. eventually centers around what the butt. What is that? Is it just kind I, of like a like an interest, but you know it's like you're not supposed to want to do that? It's, it's taboo. So you're like, <laughs> like, the more you, like the more you joke about something you want to do, like it becomes easier for you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's actually like an interesting. Maybe it's a dominance thing, thing too. I don't know. I, don't know. I think it's like whenever like a guy like in high school, like when guys flirt with girls, they're like mean to them. Mm-hmm. But it's because they like them, which is bizarre. I, I think this is almost like I'm talking about cornhole stuff. And I think it's also like you have all this. You know, you've gone through puberty. You have all this sexual energy, but you're right. mostly around dudes. Right. So you. Still want to get that sexual energy out, but Mm -hmm. you just have men to like (laughs) give it off to, and you get in these weird, like, kind of areas we're talking about. Presumably, people are like covertly bi or gay in in that group as well, sort of mixed in. It's blowing my mind right now because you're like 100% right. Like, I went to like just like a regular public high school, but like all the boys were like that. Especially like the like the jockey guys, like mm. they loved like doing like fake humping with each other, yeah. and they all I thought it was a, like the funniest shit ever. Yeah, that's that's coming from what a weird place, this? dude. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's a that was an excellent uh, way to round them all <laughs> yeah. together. I mean, I would say zombie ass toilet of the dead is probably the most extreme example of disgusting. any of those things. <laughs> yeah, the monsters are more extreme. The anal insertion is more extreme because mm-hmm. it's like actually sexual. I mean, I guess Norm and Deathgasm, it's gonna be somewhat sexual. I'm gonna shove a chainsaw up your ass, right. but like in Zombie Ass, it's like overtly. It's like, almost it borders on titillating, which I almost can see someone who's like actually into tentacle porn or actually into shit porn watching this movie for, like, a genuinely erotic and stimulation. That's, yeah. that's true. Which is part of what makes it so uncomfortable. Yep. But it's still, like, a fun watch in being icked out by it. And, like, a porn, like, even at 80 minutes, it feels a little But that, that's where the ickiness comes from, is, like, yeah, you're grossed out by the things happening on screen, but then you're also grossed out at the thought that you know some people are watching this and enjoying it on a it makes sick my heart level. melt though at that part because it's yeah. kind of like someone who's into something that's seen as weird they can like go and enjoy this like wide release film <laughs> and just like in the background be like huh I like this in a different way but nobody has to know and I can access it easily <laughs> oh man but dude if we just like made films to attract people's dark kinks, kinks I don't know like I mean there's a, there was a guy for in the audience for a gnome named Norm I was having the time of this Finally, no Whoa. porn. <laughs> right? Whoa. Talk about the roundy again. You know, like, yeah. I mean, there's... It's just kind of like... I, I get where you're coming from with that, where if we can look at those perverts as just, like, people exploring yeah. their sexuality, it makes it a little, like, easier to stomach. Like, okay. Have either of y'all seen Greasy Strangler? No. I saw, I've seen it. How would you think about that movie? 
Did you, would you compare I, that to this film? Like, Yeah, it made me feel just as icky on the inside, but I never felt like it was titillating. really trying to arouse me. No. It, like, the exact opposite. Whereas this, like, because I'm not Japanese, like, I don't, you know, I don't know Japanese culture, really, like, what it's like mm-hmm. there, so... But I was imagining, like, I bet people are, like, getting off on this in some <laughs> weird way. Like, I, but I don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe there's someone with a micropenis or, like, a sploshing fetish who found Greasy Strangler titillating, but I would yeah. assume they're, like, really in the minority. I think it's different. But I think shit porn is also, like, a very, like, extreme place to be coming from as a kinkster as well. Like, I think- <laughs> the only other, like, shit porn I saw in, like, a kind of mainstream movie was that movie, Not Another Gay Movie. This guy, like, goes over to his, like, teacher's house, and he, like, he's under a glass table, and his teacher just shits all over it. Oh, uh, gross. And he's like, yes. You got Dude, a glass that, bottom boat. Yeah, a, it's called, a like, thing. the Belgian chocolate something. <laughs> oh. yeah. I actually heard out of all those, like, spoof movies that that one's actually pretty good. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it, though. Well, I'm, well... I'm glad that y'all watched it. I know it was a lot to to handle, but I yeah. feel like we've touched on some, it me, in, like, some interesting my points. Habit. Yeah, so, there you go. Anytime you're trying to kick some sort of, I'm a healthier woman feet, now. There you go. I'm glad I saw it too, but it's definitely like the more like endurance test uh, option that we've said today. I did get a similar vibe from a gnome named Norm, but it doesn't sound like y'all did either. Just the way that it was like... It's a good movie, Brandon. <laughs> just the way that like Norm grossed me out was like pretty similar to my reaction to the shit zombies in the third movie we talked about. It grossed you out so much that you had to put him as your background. Yeah. Your yeah, I've been, I've been you, looking at him. Maybe you found your own little fetish. <laughs> norm porn. Oh. <laughs> the norm porn. Which you can find porn for pretty much everything. I remember puts lumens in his bottle. When we were watching that movie Gooby a while uh, back... Uh, one of the top, like, image results so was, weird. like, hand-drawn gooby porn. Gooby porn. It's yeah. like, wow, why? Well, yeah, I just think, like, especially, like, nowadays, like, if a, a gnome named Norm would become, like, widespread right now, like, some fan site would totally do Norm, like, oh, gnome porn. Oh, 100%. Like, think of, like, like cloppers and bronies. Especially I mean, since he already is a sexual being, like, he's yeah. already inviting it. Well, I think that's enough for today. <laughs> yeah, I think we went into the depths. Yeah, we went right into the depths of the outhouse with the swing. <laughs> yeah. If y'all want more great content, like Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead reviews, uh, give us a review on iTunes. We won't ask you again for a good while, I promise. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. And like I said, all through March we'll be talking about Suicide Club. If you want more like weirdo Asian cinema, we're going to be talking about that all through March. And we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.